0: Hi, thank you for joining us today for Integrative Lawyers of the World, where we believe lawyers contribute to the healing of the world. We believe this because we know lawyers who are doing just this. Hi, I'm Carrie, your host of Integrative Lawyers of the World podcast, and our guest this episode is Rafael Misesa. He is in South Africa. And he teaches integrative law and indigenous law. Uh, his background is fascinating. I think you will enjoy his journey into integrative law with us. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Raphael. How are you today?
1: I'm all right, Harry. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thank you for joining us today um as I said in your intro, I'm very fascinated about your journey into integrative law to actually teaching an integrative law class. Can you share a little bit of your journey with us?
1: Yes, um, quite quite a privilege actually the journey for myself, uh, and I have said this previously that I, the privilege come from a little bit earlier background of my life yeah. where. I actually pursued uh, Kerry in a Catholic church to actually become become a priest. Now, obviously, I'm not a priest. I never achieved that. So that's one element. The other element and the privilege, I think, comes from um, my teaching of Indigenous law um, for many years. And um, I was asked by a former student, in fact, recommended that... the the person who can teach integrative law, when they looked at the syllabus, uh, my name was mentioned. So a supervisor approached me and said, uh, Raphael, your name has come up. And um, it was quite interesting. So when I looked at the syllabus and the content and the reader that was uh, prepared by Professor Kim Wright, I started immediately um, realizing the similarities of integrative law content with actually indigenous law in many areas. So I taught, last year was my first time I taught. Um, So so what what Vast College has done where I'm actually teaching as an institution, we have campuses in Cape Town and other eight campuses across the country, is that integrative law is taught as an elective for law degree students in the fourth year. So these are students that are you know, just in the final year to actually graduate, and then they're introduced to indigenous law. They are fascinated about it. Um, and last year, and this year, the numbers actually increased um, uh, tremendously, yeah.
0: And so last year was the first year teaching it, and then this year you're teaching it again, but it's even more people signed up for it.
1: My my advantage around teaching uh Law students, is that I also teach other modules. For example, I teach constitutional law. I teach many, many other modules. What I do, what I did last year, especially when I uh, when I taught uh, integrative law, was I started now, you know, using some of the content uh, in these other modules, and I started and integrating that into constitutional law, for example, South African constitutional law, and other like labor law and so on and so forth. So students started hearing about this in many ways, not only from these students, but other students as well. And the interest started spreading across, you know. Um, So that's why the number changed, increased actually tremendously to this year. Uh, And I'm, I'm actually seeing that to be actually growing up next year and so on and so forth. Yeah.
0: Now, some of our listeners may not be familiar with integrative law. Um, What are some of the things you teach in your integrative law module?
1: Yes. So the, the content is, is, is quite, quite a lot. So so it's a semester module. That's what we have actually established here at Vast College. Um, But the content is, is, is quite a lot. So, what we do is first of all, just talk about integrative law in terms of different models that are there, different names that are associated with it. And then we introduce, you know, aspects of integrative law. For example, we may be talking about um, one particular model. So we may be talking about, for example, conscious contract. As 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 a content of a, of a unit, what Vast College does is that you know in every module it divides module the content of teaching per unit. It's called learning unit. Mm. So this integrative law has eight learning units. I, I can tell you, Kerry, we don't even finish that content. Mm. Uh, you know, we we you can't. It's just a lot of it. Yeah. So it's divided into eight. The reader was prepared by Professor Kim Wright. This year what we did, we, it was last year it was seven, close to 700 pages. We, <laughs> we have reduced that to two, about 250 pages, okay. which is very, very good and, and doesn't intimidate. It, it's, it's, not, it's not removing things, just I think the way it was written now it is narrowed down. So, but still it's eight learning units, and then in those eight learning units, introduction to integrative law, talking about different uh, names towards that, different approaches. Then we go into talking about each particular model. So we can talk about collaborative law as a unit. We can talk about, uh, you know, social contracts as a unit. We can talk about uh, eth jurisprudence as a unit, different compartments in that. Um, that in that as well. I'm not sure whether I've actually defined integrative law, but I think that will definitely be talked about as, as we go.
0: How would you define integrative law?
1: From the content point of view, we can talk about a model, we can talk about a movement. But I have interacted with Professor Kim right, and I said, I think integrative law is a system, just like any legal system, Pattern and parcel of of human human beings but but with integrative law it is and I, I'm speaking from indigenous point of view uh is that it is it is it has a social aspect of it it has a legal aspect of it it has a religious aspect of it spiritual aspect of it, not religious spiritual aspect of it so it is more like a a way of life yeah of 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 a, of a legal practitioner or of a lawyer or anybody who's actually doing a practice in the sense that um, the way we relate the way we are relating like you and I we just didn't just begin we said hello how are you you know we created a relationship mm-hmm. so integrative law is just about that it's about those relationships how do we how do we manage them? How do we manage conflicts? How do we manage harmony, for example? How do we, how do we live together? You know, uh, in, in different aspects of life. Anyway,
0: I like to ask every guest this because it's a different. The answers are a little bit different, but they're all united in their core values. You know, and I think that's what part of integrative law is is that you're integrating all parts of yourself into your practice and so, of course, everyone's approach to it may be a little different because we all are different, but it's grounded in that the core values and the movement of I I liked how what you said being recognizing our differences, but including our differences, not yeah. excluding, you know, inc- transcending, including, and how do we do that and relate to one another?
1: So, yes, Kerry, uh, and this is, the, I think, where my passion comes from uh, as far as Indigenous law is concerned. And um, I tend to challenge the students of, of integrative law to start thinking like that, Well, with Indigenous law, um, it's not something that, you know, at at a later stage of my life, then Indigenous law was introduced to me. That is not how it it was. It happened, you know. I was born into the system of Indigenous law. I was born into the aspect of Indigenous law. I was given a name, okay, so the name has meaning. Um, where I was born, how I was born, you know, my umbilical cord, where I was buried, all those things. Other people might think that is cultural, but that's part of indigenous law. That is a system, you see. So my name, Raphael, in fact, is n- not even an indigenous name. My indigenous name is chisubo which has a meaning. You see? It means anointing, anointing, actually um so 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 it has a meaning within a family it has a meaning within a community where i was actually born so that's the moment i was actually you know born i was introduced to the system and the way of life was being introduced to me how to speak how to speak to elderly people how to behave around people how to behave with your family how to you know um uh, Make the name massesa you know, you know, known as a good name, as a good family. So all those things, uh, you know, how how to what to do and what not to do was introduced at a very early age, right? So yes, yes. yes, yes. When
0: you when did you take on the name Raphael, and how did that come about?
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. So so in the Catholic Church. You know, the, at baptism, mm-hmm. that is exactly what it was. It, it I think, is changing now. I haven't followed that theology now at the moment, but in in our time, in seventies, sixties, earlier seventies, eighties, if you are going to baptize a young child, a baby, you see, the church was they need to give what they call a Christian name, not an indigenous name. Okay, I think that has now changed a little bit. Um, I think the church has realized I think there was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, But we are not going to get into those kind of things. Yeah, so. Well,
0: I just find was I was raised Catholic as well. And so I'm thinking, you know, you have your baptism and your confirmation. And when you take on, our confirmation is a little, you know, baptism is when you're, you know, right after you're born or shortly thereafter. Confirmation will be in your teens. Um, that's correct. For me, it was in my teens. And so at that point, you choose a name yourself as your confirmation name. And I think that certainly had to be a, a Christian name or typically after a saint. But I don't think my name is Carrie. I don't yes. think that's a Christian name. But I do have a middle name, Anne. So there's a Saint Anne. I guess... Yes. All this meandering about is, I'm wondering, did the Catholic Church adopt practices as part of colonialism? Did they have that requirement in African countries or other countries, but they didn't necessarily have it in America or European countries? Good
1: question. Good question. No, they did. They did uh, very much. So a lot of, in fact, it was just... A, a practice to say that any anyone who is born of a Catholic family, in that family, they were supposed to be baptized in the, with a Christian name. They used the term Christian name. But later on, theologians, I think African theologians, started challenging that, mm-hmm. and 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 the question was, how did these saints, Saint Anne, Saint Raphael, become saints? Where did they get these names from? So I think that came came a challenge, and I think this is exactly what we're talking about, Kerry, to say indigenous law challenges these things. I think we are waking up from our slum slam, if I can put it, and say, listen, we this is a system that we actually this is a good system. It works for us. It was looked upon as 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 informal, as 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 background, as primitive, mm-hmm. but now. And this is what I was telling to I was talking to Professor about it when I was being introduced to this particular module. I said, I said, the the content that I was reading is in fact what I teach, and you will see some of the things that i was talking about. Carry the content is actually live in, a, in indigenous law as similar to, to to integrative law. Yeah. So yes, it was a colonial practice that was, but in a Christian sense, it didn't look like that. But yes, it was.
0: You know, even in, in the Christian religion, we are, we are all children of God. So why wouldn't every child's name be a Christian name? You know, regardless, is, of what is a Christian name? Every child's a child of God. So that child's name should be a Christian name.
1: Because in, indigenous names always come with a meaning. There's always a meaning to giving a child name. It could be a circumstances that they are born into. Sometimes the names are not really good names and people tend to realize later on and they change those names because they have this bad connotation towards that name. But name giving in indigenous law is very, very critical. There's always a meaning, you see, and those meanings in most cases are very, very good meaning. Like my name which is anointed, person who who anoints and and, and and bless blessing other people you know so there are always those kind of yes. things that come come along yes
0: growing up did you like with your family did you go by your born name and with others did you go by Raphael or after your baptism were you were you Raphael all the time to all people
1: good question actually my, my family never called me Raphael fact in and those that are close to my family they never called me rafael um i think usually it's, it's, it's in schools and in the seminary and work related for example here they prefer rafael uh, than Jesubo um i i want when a person calls me Chesubo I really feel at home with that name. I feel yeah. it it pierces my myself, it goes into my being as this is Raphael. Remember, it's a name that was given when was, the yeah. umbilical cord was actually being cut. And there's always that traditional cutting of umbilical cord to say that this is your name of the umbilical cord, meaning when they're cutting that umbilical cord in our culture, that's how we say it. So it carries a, a, a lot of meaning in terms yeah. of who I am, actually, yeah,
0: you know, Shakespeare, like, what is in a name, right? Does a name matter? But if you, when you're in a situation or in the setting where you're called Raphael, do you put on a different hat or not a different persona? You're still you, but is it just a little different than when you're in the setting where you're called
1: Chisuo?
0: Chisuo? Oh.
1: The B is silent Chisuo.
2: We are taking a brief break from this conversation to ask for your financial support. With each episode, we hope you can see how lawyers and peacemakers like you are contributing to the healing of the world. It takes many kinds of resources for the integrative law movement to keep going and affecting change. Your monetary donation can help us continue this important work By supporting the activities and the members of this community. Each contribution goes to promote the stability and accessibility of the movement and to support basic expenses like our Mighty Network Group, web hosting, social media and event management and this Integrative Lawyers of the World podcast. Because we like to give people choices, we have ongoing monthly options to match your budget or you can make a one-time donation. Thanks to our non-profit corporate sponsor, the Renaissance Law Society, US supporters are able to make tax-deductible donations. Supporters from other countries, please check your local tax laws. For ways to support the integrative law movement and our world-changing work, go to our website at www.integrativelaw.com and click on Support the Movement tab at the top of the page. Another great way to support us is to rate us five stars and comment, like, follow or subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google, YouTube or your favourite podcast platform. These ratings and interactions help us get seen and heard by even more people to make an even stronger impact. Thank you for your support and spending time with us today. Enjoy the rest of this conversation.
0: Is not is it is it is it fair, but is something where I just have one name and all situations and all circumstances i'm integrated that by myself, but when you start having two names for yourself, one for here one for there does that just make life a little bit more. Um,
1: complicated separate
0: you into different it's parts, safe. and is that fair to place that on someone.
1: It's it's not. I think that's where now the the change came from from the theologians who said no, we can't have that now. And these things are changing. Um. So in situation, I think now that um this particular age, at one time those those uh, like like separations were quite 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 uh, quite clear um and in some cases not particularly myself in some cases um i know people within our community that really don't even want to be using that kind of english name because it's not uh, they don't want to be uh because they don't feel that it, they feel they feel that it's uh it's, it's foreign I actually use that word it's foreign it's this other name that does not necessarily belong to them in some culture um they were very strong so the catholic church managed that but in other other denomination they managed to keep the indigenous indigenous way remember indigenous communities they also have their own indigenous religion all right so in that aspect obviously they would keep their names in some cultural cultures, they don't actually have any christian names and they have only those names that uh that um, uh, indigenous to them so yes at one time you start feeling as this is not my name in my case i embraced it because of the meaning so when, once i discovered the meaning i said okay this is this is good it was, a, it was an angel it's an angel and the meaning of it has has quite a profound one something to do with healing god's healing and so on and so forth so i embraced that and i said okay i'll, I'll take that. You know, so so in so that's what happens in in, in many cases where the meaning becomes important that you can you can embrace that together with the indigenous name people do those kind of embracing. Yeah,
0: and your two names go well together, anointed and healing.
1: Th- that is correct. That is correct. So this is quite important what we're talking about already, because with integrative law we we we. I think even when I started teaching last year, it looked as if we are starting. But I I needed to go back a little bit with the students and say, go back to your family, go back to where you're coming from. And let's start from there. You understand what I'm saying? Because we we can't jump all these years and then forget about them. We can't forget all these aspects of a person and then forget about them. So, yes meaning in terms of names i was asking them what their names mean and of their family kind of heritage ancestry that is that that is part of integrative. from my perspective that is where we we actually you know gotten off uh, last year and obviously this it was even more to that so yeah so the 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 the, the name the name every time i say carry carry there's a force behind that name behind me calling I'm, I'm, I'm actually pronounced words apart, you know, I'm pronouncing certain things on your life when I call you by them. So even as, as practitioners, we should know, you know, our people that we're dealing with. I know the students by names, because for me, that is the first thing that I have to, to, to know is their names, to, to know a little bit about where they come from, you know. Uh, you be amazed some of these things that come along, a student lost last year, a student lost a father, you know, the way I reached to him, it was like he was part of my family. So, But this is part of Indigenous law, and we, we create a big family with the students. Because of all these aspects that we bring in Indigenous law, just to know their backgrounds, to know their names, to know their ancestry, to know where they come from, uh, which is quite important, yeah.
0: As you're talking about, knowing where you came from helps you to go where you want to go. Yeah. That is yeah.
1: that is powerful, Kerry. That's very very powerful. So mm-hmm. you said you have you have Irish uh, Irish uh,
0: ancestry, yeah,
1: yeah, interesting. Yeah. No, the reason I'm quite interested about the Irish these these were the priests missionaries when uh-huh. I was when I was in the seminary. I was a Franciscan by the
0: way. Oh, Franciscan, so that,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, a Capuchin Franciscan in fact. So most of the the missionaries came from Ireland. And every time I hear about Ireland, it just brings a lot of memories. And I never went there because time wasn't allowing because I didn't finish. But yeah. usually when you become a priest, the first thing you have to go is to go to Dublin.
0: You had mentioned that your Catholic upbringing and your indigenous law and your indigenous background helped influence you toward the integrative law movement. We talked a little bit about the indigenous part. What was it about the catholic part?
1: I think the catholic the the one thing that they emphasize you know is is we we know that is the the right from the childhood is, is catechism. You know, so catechism right when you are a young person, you learn a little bit about about everything, about the doctrine, about all these kind of things, the faith and so on and so forth. But for me now, it went deeper because remember, I I went into becoming wanting to become a priest and I joined the Franciscans. Now, Saint Francis, I don't know how much you know about St. Francis. Saint Francis is one of the you know saints in Catholic Church that really brought down. The church from this hierarchical kind of you know setup to these just ordinary, ordinary, you know, brothers. In fact, he didn't even want to call priests as priests because he said this priest gives you kind of status that you know you look you're more important. We are all brothers. So, and then he loved nature, you know. I think you know about that. So there's a lot of aspects for me and the spirituality of the Franciscans. That I, I I related myself to in terms of her loving nature, love just to be one with nature. He he called Mother Earth, brother Sun, Sister Moon, all those kind of things was for nine years. I spent nine years, I finished high school, and I spent nine years into the seminary. It was again another way of life.
0: I think it's the patron saint of animals and love of nature, but I didn't. I will read more on how he called like earth, you know, what did you say, mother earth, brother, son, brother, that to me is a a beautiful connection to our earth and our environment, which is another component of integrative law is that we are, it's not just our practice, it's integrating the interconnectedness between us and other people but also the interconnectedness between us and nature so we will see a lot of integrative lawyers also being environmental lawyers it's it, it's a natural uh it's a natural what what word comes after what word i'm looking for a word it's a natural extension of integrative law yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah exactly yes yes yeah yeah, yeah. good did you do you okay with that? Now we're done with the, with the seminary Catholic Church.
0: <laughs> if anyone's interested in finding about more, to read up more on integrative law, do you have, are your course materials or reading materials, are they listed anywhere where someone could go find out more about them?
1: Yes. So our model of teaching is, is uh, integrate, integrative teaching if I may use that word so the content we've got the reader which has a lot of content but we also this the, the 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 module itself is also online so most of the content is online you click you click on the module you go to learning unit one and you find all these links a lot of you know you know active learning for them you know um, a lot of a lot of it, yes. So they would they would have um, a lot of resources across the world, uh, and and also within within a country, as as a matter of fact.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So if there are uh, professors out there that would like to teach integrative law in their law schools, uh, could they reach out to you and uh, talk to you about it?
1: Yeah. So I already already and I, and I think I think the question on on the kind of projects that we're going to to be working on. Um, The question is going to come later on. So already just before the retreat, I should mention, Kerry, and uh, I I should have mentioned that um, I am not not South African. Okay, If you know the African continent, uh, I come from Zambia. So, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because we have had meetings with Professor when she was here, and another Professor, Evans um, Kalula, and other, other professors from Zambia who want to, to introduce integrative law in, in Zambia. In fact, uh, Professor Kim Wright went to Zambia to to present something there already. Anyway, so there's a project which which we are calling a Zambian project. I'm part of that team to actually work around that. But even when we were at uh, at the retreat, uh, we had some professors from from other universities that has now have now shown interest. And uh, and because because I'm teaching, they're saying we want to introduce this in our, in our universities yeah so there are quite a number of them there's some resistance in some circles but uh, you know as you know i think yourself that you know you, you you meet some resistance but with in our language in our in our in our culture we say we say that when that when you are beating the drum on, on the same place repeatedly you create a hole you understand so 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 beating the drum repeatedly at the same place for us as individual lawyers is to repeat the same message over and over to these institutions until until they allow us to go into these institutions but there are some some institutions that have actually embraced and,
0: and where do everybody. you think uh, what's the nature of the resistance
1: uh-huh good question because the nature of resistance is because this, the, this system, remember that the legal system is something that was just like the Catholic Church brought the doctrine and so on and so forth. The colonial uh, uh, governments and regimes, they also introduced their own legal systems of common law, of Western law, into most of these African countries. So part of this legal practice uh, that happened in, in, in South Africa, in most of these countries, including Zambia, is the Western kind of legal practice. And that is the one that is taught in, in institutions like universities. You see, it's, it's it's to teach you to become a lawyer, and you go and practice and you win cases. Um, so they have established themselves as as, as, as faculties that teach. Teach, teach law to, to law students that become legal practitioners in that traditional sense and not necessarily in the integrative law sense.
0: Part of that resistance is, oh, you're trying to replace me or you're trying to replace the way that I do things. And one of our other guests, he framed it as, no, 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 it's to Transcend and include, transcend and include. As you learn more, it's not that you say you can never, like litigation for some cases that may be the best thing for it. So it's never to say litigation is forever excluded. It's to, okay, what else can I add to my tool set to help my clients and then include? Right? Include and transcend, include and transcend. And I like that. Um, I think he explained it a little better than I did. I should try to find the book of it. But the yeah. idea of it is, you know, cause I think people get, oh, you're gonna make me obsolete or you're gonna make what I'm doing, what I spent the years of my life focusing on, you're now saying it doesn't have meaning. That, that's hard for someone to hear. It would be hard for me to hear. So I guess I get where um, resistance may come from.
1: Probably in terms of trying to reawaken the self in most of these lawyers. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we separate ourselves from what we do. And then we become so exhausted and then it impacts on us. So what we are saying is that you, you, you are also a human being we're all human beings and so how then do we work as human beings in terms of you know resolving these conflicts that are embroidered that are surrounding us without breaking down you know um and so on and so forth because remember integrative law and i always say this is first and and i should mention this because if if professor kim right, did, did not listen to this point. She was going, why didn't you repeat that point? Here's a point. So from the time when I was invited to teach integrative law to the time when, so between accepting and, and beginning to teach, there was a process within myself, Kerry, of reflection, thinking, reflection, thinking. And it really challenged me to think about myself a lot and starting internalizing certain things that I may not have um, thought about it or may have taken for granted. And I think this is what lawyers sometimes lack is they don't have time to think about about what they do so that they, you know, I mean, I can talk about values. Mm -hmm. Like the constitution of South Africa is a a good constitution. It's, It's one of the best in the world. But is that internalized in some of these legal practitioners? Maybe not. Maybe they're very good at, at whatever practice, but they don't actually make them personal. So that I can relate using these values, I can relate to other people as well. So there's that aspect of, of self sometimes, and we, we have to look at that.
0: When you had those moments in that time of self-reflection, what did that give you? What did you learn from it? What did you take away from that?
1: Yes, so I'll take one um, among us the many things. The, so there's this aspect, and which I'm, I'm, I'm going to really try to work on it with, uh, uh, with uh, some people. I think I I'll talk about them later on. So there's this aspect, and I don't know whether you've heard about it, but I think you have the concept of Ubuntu. Yes, but go ahead and
0: describe that for us, please.
1: Obviously, when the colonizers came, they, they were saying, well, indigenous people, they don't have individuals. They only have collective communal kind of life. They were actually very, very wrong. So when I was thinking about it, when I was speaking I am actually an individual, but my individuality cannot be without the other person. It can only be complete by the other person. So Ubuntu has that element. So I, I was like, this is quite powerful, is you know? Powerful. and. It is, and that's the aspect I want to actually work on as a project, just to look at uh, the questioning that you had. Um, so Eric has, I think you know, Eric. Uh, he came for a retreat from America. I've got I've forgotten his surname. But he he has Ubuntu Works project. I say I want to work on that one. Okay. And I want to bring that aspect of Ubuntu from indigenous perspective, from my reflection, to actually develop that uh, caring. That was very powerful for me when I was reflecting. I said, no, the aspect of the individual in terms of Ubuntu, it's very key for for the other people, the other persons to complete ourselves in many areas. Yes.
0: That is such a profound insight and something that is very meaningful for I think what the world you know has faced with COVID, because it has it has tested in different parts your individual rights or your individual needs in mesh with the collective, so it really gave us an opportunity to look where is that balance, yes for individuals, but I loved how you said it, we are individuals, but I cannot be the fullest individual without the collective. It was so and it's also interesting that you brought this up just this past week and a friend of mine, she works in peace building. In in peace building and in human rights, that in some of the countries where there's the collective, the existing terminology used for human rights doesn't quite mesh because they see it as the collective good, not the individual human rights. So how do you how do you approach the ideas behind human rights?
1: So, so, we do have this universal human rights, this universal fundamental human rights that that in most of these countries are embraced, and in most of these countries, you know countries like in Africa, that is you know they actually incorporate these things in their constitutions, which is fine. The problem is those conflicts they do actually can come in because we the collective essence of of what these communities are made up of is almost overlooked when I started teaching indigenous law i was I was mentored by a professor his, his pastor now Professor Francois De Villiers. He was very very good so he wrote something about fundamental rights that may have been missed and not necessarily included in terms of the constitution. so he started you know you know putting together some of the rights that are indigenous that may actually be included and that could actually make a difference. Okay so for example a right to to belong. Now Ubuntu obviously we talked about Ubuntu but family is is quite an essence within indigenous indigenous um, indigenous communities. So he was saying why then don't we have certain rights that bring an aspect of a, a, a person has a right to belong to a family, to have a family name, to have all these kinds of aspects. Yes, there is that uh, element of, in most of African countries, a bit of a tension between these rights that are, are individualistic in nature of emphasizing individual rights, and somehow, to some extent, not emphasizing the the communal collective part of this, these rights.
0: An example of such thing was the right to belong.
1: The right to belong, to have a family name, the emphasis of, you know, even myself as as Raphael, as Chesubo, I'm not just a masseza, I'm also a son to other families that are within the community that I live in. So I, I cannot necessarily feel isolated. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I must feel, to be, if I don't feel belonging to my family, then I also have to feel like I belong to someone else. So there's always that, that taking care of someone, even if they don't have someone to look after them. Uh, there are some changes because of obviously changes in terms of uh, aspects of social, economic changes, and so on and so forth. But that aspect is still quite strong among, among indigenous people. So those are those are rights that I think we should also include to say, well, you have a right to belong at least to a family, to a community, you have a name, and all those kind of things, as an example.
0: What does being an integrative lawyer Mean to
1: you? What I've realized, Kerry, is that as a human being, you know, you develop. I think to be a better person for myself and worse within the the environment that I, I live. But with integrative law, what it means, then, it means that um, you know there are certain things I can avoid. Um, you know. That if I do something, it will lead to conflict. Yesterday, by the way, I um, I, I did what I think I think I was I was in the middle of something. Then the phone call rang, and then my wife just gave me the phone and said, "Answer this." But I didn't know what it was about, and then I realized it was something about the telephone itself. So then I wasn't happy about it. But uh, so I, I I think I raised the voice. But at the end of the day, I said no. I should not have raised the voice. So I talked to her. So it's those kind of things for me, Kerry, that are now conscious of. You know uh, that you know as as I'm not just you know a lecturer. I'm an integral law lecturer. I, I'm an integral lawyer. I I have to live by practicing things that I teach. So that be, that becomes a, a key thing. So integral role means that it it is building my character in many, many ways. You know, I share this as a retreat. I say I say that character is very important for an individual who, who then belongs to the community. So that's how individual works, you know, because you are required to obviously have those kind of characters. So it means it means, you know, you know, it it, it is it is impacting on my 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 life, impacting on the way I, I live, my character. Um, It is it is very important for me. Yeah,
0: it can apply whether you're a tax lawyer, a business lawyer, a civil litigator, a family law lawyer, whatever practice or, you know, a a government lawyer, whatever practice area you go into the integrative mod, the integrative law module can help give you a a foundation or a frame of reference to help you be your best in your chosen that's, field. that is
1: correct yeah that's correct yeah
0: that is good.
1: you summarize it better than I. <laughs> no, <that's Right>. okay. <laughs> right. yeah uh,
0: and then we had talked briefly about you had mentioned a retreat and that was um a retreat as part of the integrative law movement and that was recently in south africa is that right
1: that is correct, yes.
0: When you were talking about this, you said it was a very unique retreat, and how you explained it shows to me it embodies some of the core values that we talk about with integrative law. So how was it unique for you?
1: Yes, uh, so the 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 retreat was uh, was um, something unexpected. You know, when I was going there, in fact, the institution paid for for everything. That's how seriously we took this this retreat. They paid for everything, um, and 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 my expectation was that oh, here's a conference will start just by you know you know keynote speaker and so on and so forth. Well, it didn't. You know, the 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 the, the very first thing that we were invited to do was to just be conscious of the environment you Know that you know was very powerfully in a spiritual way. You know, that we're not just not alone here, we may be 20, 25 people, but there are other other beings, spiritual beings that actually might, might be part and parcel of that. That's how it started, and and uh, and 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 um, and we were taught to to reflect to just. You know, there were some seeds that were given to us as symbols of of, of uh, symbolizing some life. They were given salt, also symbolizing, a lot of sim- symbols there, you know. We had a candle in the middle, middle of, 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 of we're sitting in a circle, by the way. We're not sitting like, like some behind anybody. So it was in a circle. So we were all equal. You know that part i think was was quite quite phenomenal and then we went through a lot of things a lot of reflections a lot of just presentations now you start feeling oh this is this is not just you know this is this is worldwide movement if i can put it like that this is this is we are we we just uh connected and um and, and so on and so forth.
0: Well, I'm glad that you went and that it was a meaningful experience for you.
1: Giving an opportunity to teach to teach integrative law for me is just just an honor privilege. Having met Professor Kim was I can't even describe that because we have just connected. She told me these words. I'm going to repeat them here. That. One of the best things that have happened in visiting South Africa is to have met me. Now, that sunk into me a lot. And even now, it, can, it, it, it is just overwhelming to hear that.
0: So I was just going to ask you, you're very clear on what you want to do. What is it? Go ahead, declare it here.
1: So this is, so there is, one, there's a textbook that I've been asked to work on. It's an indi- in, integrative law textbook that has to go to Zambia. There's also in, in indigenous law textbook that I need to work on also, but also the Nelson Mandela University in Port Elizabeth in South Africa has also, as an they also want to collaborate with me to develop a module. I'm, I'm glad to do that as well.
0: Thank you so much for being part of Integrative Lawyers of the World. If anyone is interested in... uh creating a integrative law module for their schools they can contact j kim wright or rafael we will have your contact information on our website and thank you for being part of our conversation
1: thank you thank you so much i really appreciate i appreciate this very very much